Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. A long field goal attempt. 58-yard try for Eddie Pinero. Felt like I got a good amount of it and went in and went through. Let's see what happens here. I've been around some kickers that have some swag. Right down the middle. How about it, Eddie Pinero? WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns. What time is it? Uh, it was amazing. They all came up and tapped me on the head. And I do it for them, do it for Chicago. It was a good day for him, and we just want to continue for him to get that confidence and keep rolling. With WGN's Adam Hogue and from The Athletic, Adam Johns. T-minus 10 seconds. Here they are. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire. The Adams. Yeah, baby, it's on! Hogan Johns. <laughs> That escalated quickly. Love that movie. I like listening to the opens blind. Like, a lot of times I sort of have to listen to them, but that one I hadn't heard yet. What was the name of the cologne in that movie? Sex Panther? Yes. Was it Sex Panther? Sex Panther. (laughs) Smell like gasoline. I like Was it 80% of the time? It works all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Uh, Welcome in, Hogue and John's. Every day we get closer and closer to September 5th. I feel like I have won this bet. Oh, because he made a 58-yarder. The field doesn't look too good. Kari Vedvik. Woo. Hey, confirmation, by the way. It is Corey Vedvik. Yes, we got that from uh, I was watching a the, Dutchman. Oh, I don't know. Someone oh, yeah. sent it to us okay. on Twitter. About yes, it. Yeah. someone did send that to us on Twitter. Our However, friend. it's Twitter, and he like wrote out the pronunciation with like the two little things over the word, the letter, and I'm I I don't know what how to pronounce that. This is still written out in front of me. That doesn't help. <laughs> Google Translate. I mean, I appreciate the clarification, but like I need a voice message so I can hear the pronunciation. I was watching Vikings Cardinals though, because I have no life, and. Uh, my guy Paul Allen, the voice of the Vikings, very clearly on the 43-yarder that Corey Vedvik missed, wide left, pretty ugly kick. Yes, it was. And it was at 43 yards. Uh, called him Corey Vedvik. Okay. And he's the play-by-play play guy. So I, he would know. I would, I would assume he does. And meanwhile, Eddie Pinheiro, 58 yards right down the middle. With yards to give. Beautiful. Cannot wait to go to Portales. <laughs> That's why we have Adam on the sidelines. He knows everything that's he going on. He nailed that one. Ooh, yeah. 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 It feels yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. Watch him miss two field goals Thursday and get cut. Damn. Yeah, yeah. It's not over yet. You talked to Elliot Fry. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in this well, podcast. Let's do it. Uh, plenty to get to. Actually, uh, a ton to get to here. Episode 247 of the Hogan Johns podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue. H-O-G-E at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, WGNRadio.com slash Bears, TheAthletic.com, The Athletic app. There's a ton that uh, we're going to discuss in this episode that you need to read. So we are going to talk about some of that stuff. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. It matters most during the regular season. And I'll tell you what, if Matt Nagy is in the bubble with the guys that are clearly making the team, preparing for the Packers, and there's a separate practice going on for Thursday that 
Jay Rogers is running, <laughs> then we can be on the Green Bay too. Yes. It's oh, time. they're totally on the Green Bay, yes. Yes. That yes. we are on to Green Bay as well. And between now and that game on September 5th, including the post-game episode, we have, I think it's, including this one, one, two, three, four, five, and then you include the post-game episode, six episodes over the next, like, 10 days, which is kind of weird to think about. Uh, in other words, we're going to have plenty of content for you. So thanks for it's sticking. It's like a radio show. It basically is turning into that. Uh, thank you for uh, sticking with us through the last couple of weeks as the grind of the preseason really came to a halt. I mean, let's be honest. Thankfully. Holy moly. It... Uh, Things really slowed down there, but we're ready to go, and we have plenty to talk about with you today. Let's start with 9,000-plus words on Mitchell Trubisky. They're crazy. I know. I know. I really am. I didn't mean to do this. Yes, you did. (laughs) Well, I didn't when I started. Yes, you did. If you haven't seen it, WGNRadio.com slash Bears, I broke down Mitchell Trubisky's entire 2018 season. I watched 581 plays. Which how, not, but how many times did you watch those 581 plays? That's what people need to realize. You're just not watching 581 plays. 581 times, it's at right. least twice that, at least. Yeah, well, the the plays, like as I was going through it, I mean, there were some just like... Plenty of plays that were just like, okay, that was a normal play. Nothing too great, nothing too bad on it, just sort of moving the chains or whatever that I didn't even, you know, take a note on or anything like that. But the plays that like really stood out to me, whether it's good, bad, or something I had a question on that I need to get clarification on from somebody, those types of plays that ended up in my big notebook that I can actually pull out here um, with all the notes I had, I probably watched each one of those like, six, seven, eight times by the time it was all said and done. Because I'd have to keep going back to it to like make sure I didn't miss anything. Or, yeah. or when I finally got to a point where I was writing, got to go back and watch it all again. So it's fresh. So, um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of plays that I watched a lot of times. Um, and why did I do this? Not exactly sure still. Um <laughs> At the end of every season, I go back and I watch all the coaches' film. And this was literally, honest to God, like three or four days after they lost to the Eagles, I sat down at a Northbrook Starbucks because I was curling that night, the Chicago Curling Club. And I had like three, four hours to kill. So I sat down at Starbucks. I pulled up week one against the Packers and started watching the film. And it occurred to me really early in that, as I'm watching this, I'm like, I should really just watch Trubisky here. But, and it was, I didn't even have a plan yet. Just like, let's just see how Trubisky was doing. And then the more and more I went through this, I'm like, there's probably something here to, to write up. But it was such a long process. And then Nagy, which this turned out to be my lead in my story, we're at the owner's meetings in Arizona and at the breakfast that we have with them. And he basically challenges us to do exactly what I had already been doing. And it was at that moment where I'm like, all right, this is for sure happening. I don't know how it's long, how long it's going to take me, but I'm going to do this. And we're going to just see what, I mean, I didn't know what the conclusions were going to be on Trubisky. I didn't know what the story was going to look like when it was all done. 
But that was when I committed to doing it. How do you feel? Uh, little, it was good. A little tired. A lot of people liked it, my friend. Thank you. I, and thank you for helping yes, with yes, some guidance. Yes, yes. We were behind the scenes helping out. I, I don't have a slew of editors at WGNRadio.com. We're a radio station. And um, so I read it on Friday and Saturday. A lot of times I have like a Kevin Fishbane texting me with like a typo in a random 10 Bears Things column, which I appreciate. Uh, this one I needed a little bit more help with. Considering the magnitude and how long it was, I need to make sure things made sense when I wrote them out. So thank you for helping out. I appreciate it. So what did you think? Well, I think there's without, you know... I know what you wrote, but... Right, I could... Yeah, a little bit more. I could spend a long time going through it. Um, I encourage people to read it to get the intricacies. But I'll I'll, I'll give you some major takeaways. And then I want to ask you some major takeaways from reading it. Okay. But the, the biggest things that stood out to me... First and foremost, Trubisky did get better. Yes. Which was Nagy's challenge. He said, if you watch our whole season, you can take out the running plays. And I think he was talking about running back plays. I I still watched Mitch's running plays because a lot of them started as passes that he scrambled on. Or even if they were design runs or RPOs or zone read keepers. To me, that still involves him making a decision and when he reads the defense. So I watched all that when it came to Trubisky. But any handoffs to Cohen or Jordan Howard or you know jet sweeps to Taylor Gabriel or Anthony Miller, that I, I kept out of there. So the major takeaways, he got better. Couple areas he specifically got better. The one thing that stood out to me huge early in the year, he had most of his success in the first quarter with the scripted plays that they were practicing all season long, when the or all week long leading up to the game. When they, when the opposing team adjusted throughout the game, that's where things started to break down. Whether it was them not having an answer, and I think usually there were answers from the coaching staff the play calls. But it could be it could have been his footwork speeding up a little bit with the pass rush coming at him. It could have been just some inaccuracies downfield when he wasn't sure what he was looking at. As the season went on, with the exception of the Rams game, because that was just a bad game. Statistically, you could like if you want to take out his best game, that was the Bucks. Worst game was the Rams. I think it actually gives a pretty accurate picture of the the season but as the season went along he got better late in games he got better like look at the Eagles game he actually had a pretty bad first half second half they're well into adjusting back and forth the Eagles adjusted because they didn't have Trey Burton on the field they were concentrating on Tariq Cohen and by the way I learned a ton about the Bears offense doing this and all those conversations we had about why they were trading Jordan Howard and why they needed running backs to run routes, yep. that is like the crux of the offense. They need, when they, those backs are coming out of the, the backfield running option routes, which is something, it wasn't just a matter of Howard not being able to run routes, but the option route that Cohen runs. It sets up everything in the offense, okay? So that was just a sidebar. That, but that's part of the reason why what the Eagles did in that playoff game was so important. 
by by being able to concentrate on Cohen, the Bears need to adjust back. And I I just think there's so much stock in what the Bears did in the second half, what Trubisky did in the fourth quarter. He got better as the game went along. It was the exact opposite of earlier in the year when teams were adjusting to what the Bears were doing earlier, and they didn't have an they didn't have a, a they didn't have answers. They didn't have an answer coming back. Trubisky didn't have an answer coming back. So I put a lot of stock in the Eagles game. And as a reason why the Bears should be excited going into this year about the growth of the quarterback. Now, I do think big picture, and I wrote this in the story, for the haters out there, they could read my whole story and probably come away with it as, yeah, this validates my thoughts on him too. Like, the people that think he's going to be good, I think will read it and say, okay, he's going to be better, or he's a chance to be better. And I think the haters will say, yeah, but look at all these interceptions, bad decisions, plays he got away with that should have been intercepted, like in the playoff game yeah. against the Eagles when he threw an inexplicable pass across the middle to the end zone when the corner route looked like it may have been open, or at least the check down was certainly open. I get all that, and that's part of the, the conclusion of the story here is there's a lot left to be written. For Mitch Trubisky. That's the whole point. And it's up to him to write yeah, it. Yes, that, that's the, the whole point. So, yeah, I, I watched a lot of the film. I, I didn't go through, like, I, I didn't need to go through the Buccaneers game, right? Or I didn't need to go through the Lions game. So, with me, when I'm reading this, it confirmed what I already thought just in terms of statistical observations through contextual observations that he was getting better as the season went on. I always had it in my mind throughout the entire course of the year that he was supposed to make bad decisions, that he was supposed to have bad throws, that all of this wasn't going to be a bunch of roses. First year in the new system, second year in the NFL. I know Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are doing what they're doing, but everybody's situation is different. Mitch didn't have certain weapons around him the first year. He didn't have an Alex Smith to learn from. So his situation was always different. So to watch every single play, yes. That was my general belief, and I think reading your story confirmed that, that he was getting better, that there were supposed to be warts on his season. And there were. There was warts in the, the, pre, the playoff game, like you said. I just think some of those need to decrease in year two, and I think they will. They're expected to. Everybody wants instant success. This was never supposed to be an instant success story with Mr. Trubisky in his first year of this offense. The biggest reason why I'm glad I did this is because I really think it helped me understand more about what the Bears and Matt Nagy keep talking about. It helped me understand the offense more. And the biggest takeaway from that side of it, just the offense, is Matt Nagy's a really good coach. I mean, that was confirmed. This story wasn't about Nagy, so I didn't really get into that. But just a sidebar conversation to the story, this offense is a good offense. Even though they had games where they didn't score 20 points last year, it has the potential to be deadly because he really does scheme his guys open. Now, it's complicated because so many plays are built with one side of the field set up to beat man coverage, the other side of the field built, built to beat zone. And it's up to Mitch to figure it out at the line of scrimmage, yeah. which direction he's going, which side of the field he's reading. And that's why I think 
if Mitch does start to understand all this and everything they've said in the offseason, which is now he understands the offense, which he was battling through last year, which is all true, I think. If he can start concentrating more on the opposing defenses throughout the week, studying those defenses, studying their tendencies, he's going to pick up more and more on these pre-snap reads that he was getting better at as the season went along. I could show you an exact play, and I did on the WGM Morning News yesterday as I broke this thing down. There was a play where Harrison Smith against the Vikings in Week 11 was at the line of scrimmage and showing a blitz. And literally, as the ball is being snapped, he rolled back into a cover two zone. And Mitch realized it. He could have been looking single high, man coverage, and at the last second, the safety rolled backwards. And Allen Robinson ran a great dig route right underneath Harrison Smith, who had backed up, and Mitch hit him for a first down. And that was on third down which Mitch got a lot better at. Oh, yeah. As the season went yep. along, he got a Again, lot better. Statistical, no, yeah, like I mentioned, yep. On third down. So the point here is there is a chance, based on what I saw in 2018, a good chance that what they're talking about here happens, that he starts to read these defenses more consistently, is more confident in his decision-making, is better with his mechanics because he's playing more confident, and starts to throw the ball more accurately. If all that happens... He's going to be very good. There's also a chance that doesn't all come together. And I still think he's going to be a decent... See, I think he's already... He showed last year with a lot of ups and downs. Even like an awful game with the Rams. And with the Rams, you have to contextualize it too. He's coming back from an arm injury. Yep. First game back, prime time, against Aaron freaking Donald. And he wasn't even the worst quarterback in that game. No, he wasn't. But right. he did play poorly. In yes, that he game. did. Yes, he did. But By his own admission. But there's context to it. Okay. Yeah. Every week is different. By the way, great example too of Nagy's coaching. Realized his quarterback was struggling. Went to more RPOs in the second half. Protected his quarterback. And as soon as they got the lead, they shut it down, throwing the ball. Yeah. And that's not really Nagy's style, but he's willing to adapt to make sure they win football games. And they went on the ground. On the ground, get the clock run out. Yeah. Won a big game at home, set them up to uh, to win the division the following week against the Packers. Right. So statistically, so. I think Trubisky was already a good quarterback last year. To I me, the, to me, the conversation is just how great can he become. That's it. I that's think, it. I still think, I think he's that's one hundred percent fair. Yeah, and I think he's got a chance. And who knows? Some years could be great. Some years could be exceptionally great. But he just needs to be a little bit more consistent than he was last year. Exactly. So uh, we're going to learn a lot. I think this story, if you read it, first of all, thanks for taking the time to read it. If you do, it's incredibly long. It's definitely the longest thing I've ever written. And uh, it sets up what I think we all agree is a pivotal season for Mitchell Trubisky. So uh, anyway, thank you for reading that. On to something else that one of us, although not either of us, wrote, but it's on The Athletic. And I thought it was a great story. So let's bring in our friend Kevin Fishbank. The Fishman. From The Athletic. Hi, Kevin. Hey, guys. I hope that, uh, <laughs> I hope that didn't turn away listeners, Hogue. No, as long as you don't you know, spend the whole time. I mean, we are going to break down. We'll let you make your Northwestern Stanford pick before you get out of here. But we, right. we still do have to talk mostly Bears on this podcast, if that's okay with you. 
Yeah, I could probably handle that. I, I don't think, uh, as you know, as your text message inbox knows, no one should really be subjected to too many of my Northwestern football views. Yes, especially the text that you sent me like 20 minutes ago. Hey, it's game week, you know? Just got to get ready to go for Saturday. <laughs> you can't le- just do that to people. You should now read that text message to the no, masses. No, no. no I'm not going to do that. Uh, no, it, it's not suited for podcasts. NS We swear on this podcast. N- NSFP. <laughs> oh, oh, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. Kevin, Kevin. That's how bad it was. Uh, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic, and you can read his story on The Athletic app, which you should do, uh, wrote about Bears players playing basketball at Khalil Mack's house. How did this story come together, Kevin? I found it very interesting. Well, as you guys know, because I am the youngest one on this podcast, I am a millennial, and I'm always on the gram. And I just couldn't help but notice every time I looked up Cleo Mack's Instagram story during the offseason that he was somebody who was doing push-ups in a basketball court, and he was laughing in the background. And you almost never heard uh, or never saw actual shots going up. You just saw push-ups. So I put on my investigative journalism hat and went to work. And I started with Javon Wims because he was the one I saw in there the most. And, and Javon's a pretty good basketball player, so I, I couldn't figure out what it was that he was always the one who ended up, you know, on the ground, give me 20. And uh, he told me, he goes, yeah, Khalil has three-point contests at his house, and he invites us over. So then I started to say, well, who else goes over? And he started listing off all these names, and I found out that it seemed like half the team at some point in the spring had been to Khalil Mack's house and had played basket- a three-point contest to get five shots, five three-pointers, and the loser does 20 to 25 push-ups. Who do you think, like Javon Williams is a good basketball player. His, yeah. his college career started like that. Who bragged the most maybe about playing against Khalil? Or who did you have a sense was very satisfied with their performance against Khalil? So Taylor Gabriel wanted to make it very clear that he won. Now, I, I think he only won once. You know, they play, it's only five shots. You can get a lot of games in. Um, but he like he like didn't want to really talk about anything but the fact that he won. Like I'd ask him another question, and he would start answering, and then he'd stop and say, "Well, make sure you write down that I got the dub." So he was pretty proud, but I don't know how many wins he got. Um, Jalen Dalton, uh, infamous for being the uh, the victim of the Kyle Long helmet swinging incident, uh, he seemed pretty proud uh, of making Khalil Mack do push-ups. And that's the fun thing, too, about this, guys, is you, you have these undrafted rookies, who some of whom will never play in an NFL game, but they'll always get to say that they won a three-point contest against Khalil Mack. Uh, and I did note that these guys, maybe I should follow them on Instagram, but, you know, Khalil never posts stories of himself doing push-ups. So I did have to well, get some confirmation. <laughs> right. So I had to get some confirmation from some of the other guys that he actually did lose uh, periodically. I was told Bilal Nichols, uh, who was in the story too, has a pretty good jump shot. So I think he's gotten his fair share of wins against uh, 52. Was anybody like starstruck when they talked about, yeah, I got to play basketball at Cleo Mack's house? Uh, Javon Wims uh, had the best line there, which was, he's like, yeah, I used to play Khalil, with Cleo Mack on Madden, and now I'm playing basketball at his house. Um, a couple of the undrafted rookies, too, um, I guess, and this was a little confusing the story, but um, Khalil, I'm not sure how often Khalil Mack goes like out of his house when he's around. I think he, you know, he's from his Instagram looks like he's got a personal chef. 
looks like he's got a personal barber. So he invites guys over to like use those things. So some of the undrafted rookies were like, yeah, I just went over to get a haircut and suddenly I'm playing basketball at his house. So yeah, although Bilal Nichols and some of the veterans, you know, Deion Bush, they were kind of like, that's just who he is. That's just how Mac is. So they weren't like, you know, and to them, he's been their teammate for a year. Um, and it's like a little different, but I just always found it fascinating that, that here's this guy who, if he wanted to, could just hang out with nobody on the team and would still be, everyone still be in awe of him. And, you know, here he is inviting everyone from, you know, Prince Amukamara to, you know, Chuck Harris or Jonathan Harris to, to his house. What do you think this fits uh, amongst the things that we saw from him in, in Bourbon for the first time? Sprinting to the drills, goofing around with his players, with the, uh, the keep it up football game that they kept doing. Where, where do you think this fits in, in what Khalil Mack is starting to, in, in, a way, in a way, I guess, reveal himself through his actions? Yeah, and John Z, it, he reveals himself without talking about it, right? Like, he hates Truth. talking about himself. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, you know, people know this, I didn't talk to Mack himself about these three point contests. Um, and, you know, I just asked him one question about just, you know, how important it is to, to, to give back to these younger players. And, and he always refers to his time at the Raiders, um, you know, and guys like Charles Woodson kind of taking him under their wing. And I, I think it just all goes to the fact that when the Bears made this move, yes, it was for what Khalil Mack was going to do for them on the field, but they did the research. You know, they're, they're not going to, you know, to use Matt Nagy, you know, we don't have any turds here. They weren't going to go give that kind of contract and give up those many first-round picks for a guy that was going to be a problem. But I, I think they are even surprised at what an incredible locker room guy he's been, that everyone just gravitates to him. And he just hangs out with guys, whether you're a seventh-round wide receiver like Javon Wims you know, or undrafted rookie. Uh, and, yeah, as you said, it goes back to the way he just you – know, he did, I don't think he missed a practice as long as we've been there in OTAs, minicamp, training camp. Players see – well, if Khalil Mack's practicing and giving 110%, well, I should too, because that's Khalil Mack. So I think it all goes to this this aura this guy has, um, has and rightfully earned about kind of what a great teammate he's been for this franchise. Yeah, it's really unique to see him line up against the defensive backs when they're doing their post practice sprints, and he's running with them, and he wants to win and beat the fastest guys on the defense here. And here we are closing in on the one year anniversary of, of the trade, the bold move. For Cleo Mack, and I think the Bears have gotten everything they've actually dreamed of in this situation. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see how the, there could be any argument against that right now, uh, especially when you consider there's still that second round pick coming this spring from the Raiders uh, in that trade. Hey, Kev, uh, uh, everyone can read the story at the Athletic and the Athletic dot com, but I uh, want to quickly get your thoughts too on. Uh, I know you and Johnsy have been all over keeping track of this 53 man roster. What's uh, still up for grabs here in your mind on Thursday night against the Titans? Well, are you keeping five tight ends? And if you are, who's number five? Uh, I think Alex Bars is a great opportunity to prove to them they might have found something in terms of him being a backup tackle for now. Um, And if he performs well, if he plays some left tackle on Thursday night, I think, and I'm curious what you, I think he's played too much and and looked too good to sneak him to the practice squad. Um, This is a guy that the athletic has with a third to fourth round grade if he hadn't been injured. Yeah. Um, So I'm looking at, you know, those last offensive line spots and then that, that the last inside linebacker, um, I think the bears are, I want the first game of the preseason, the inside linebackers did not look very good. 
And ever since then, they've all played really well. And I think the Bears are in a really good situation there where that is looking to be one of the deeper positions, which means a good player, whether it's Josh Woods or Kevin Pierre-Lewis, um, is going to get cut. Um, but, you know, guys, it, it's it's crazy that these are the names we're talking about um, that, like, we're watching this week because, you know, we're always talking about bottom of the roster guys this week. Um, but, you know, these are guys that could get picked up by other teams. And, of course, every Bears fan's favorite, Ryan Nall. I cannot believe how many people are so nervous about losing Ryan Nall if the Bears uh, wave him. So, you know, watch out. If, if 35, if they, if they drop Ryan Nall, you know, who knows? Maybe the Packers will grab him. He'll be starting on Thursday night because fans are terrified of the thought of Ryan Nall running for 69 yards against the Bears <laughs> defense. All right, Kev, quickly. Stanford. Northwestern. Make the pick. Uh, yeah, I got uh, Northwestern. Of course you six, do. <laughs> Northwestern 16, Stanford 10. Wow. Oh, riveting football. <laughs> hey, Northwestern's got a good defense. I've never picked Northwestern to lose, so <laughs> that's accurate. Um, that's not going to. I picked them to not cover pretty often when they're at home <laughs> and they're a favorite, but I will never pick them to lose. Stanford's got a pretty good quarterback, though KJ Costello. Yeah, but he lost um, that receiver with the cool name who's on the Eagles now, Archega Whiteside. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yep. just butchered that, but uh, yeah, but but he has not faced a JR pace in that uh, that vaunted cat secondary. So. But but he does have a wide receiver named Osiris St. Brown. Does that change your prediction? Ooh, no. But did John's already <laughs> unplug his microphone? Is this too much college football for him? Yeah, there's a lot more coming for him. So. Uh... You know, I might have to do it by myself, but that's fine. That sounds great. I basically do it by myself all season anyway. So That is true. <laughs> Kevin, we'll see you at House Hall. All right. Thanks, guys. Go Cats. All right. Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic. Go check out that story. It's a fun story uh, with players playing basketball at Khalil Mack's house. Good you think you could be Khalil Mack? You're very proud of your basketball skills. You also post videos of your <laughs> I posted one video <laughs> one time, and I'll never live it down. That's fine. And you shouldn't. You know what? Um, yeah, I think I could take Khalil Mack. I'm very confident. I like it. I like it. I like it. I played one th- game since April with my knee injury, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I think it was after the first preseason game, of which he did not play in, of course, and he was walking around the Bears locker room wearing a Jordan jersey. Did you see that? He does wear... I have seen these videos at his house, and he's always wearing Bulls gear. Yes. And I've seen at least one... Where he's in a full Bulls uniform with Mac in the back with pants, yeah, with shorts. Yes, yes, shorts are a little bit tight. Yeah, but when you're built like that, <laughs> they're going to be tight. Custom made. Mean, yeah. Uh, all right, got a lot of other things to get to here before we get out of here in this podcast. Um, uh, we got to talk about Andrew Luck at least a little bit. Not only is it the biggest story in the NFL, but it happened during the Bears game. First thing I want to say, I want to credit the Bears television broadcast, which in the preseason is a team-operated broadcast. But, and look, we wouldn't, uh, we're definitely not surprised by Adam Amin handling it like a true professional. But he he went straight into, yeah, this is obviously the biggest story of the game. And him and Biggest story of the NFL season right now. He and Jim Miller spent the entire fourth quarter basically talking 
about Andrew Luck. And yeah, okay, when there was a Jesper Horstead had the great touchdown catch in the end zone, they showed that and they showed the replay and they talked about that. But look, this was the story. Yeah. And I just, you know, sometimes these days with um, the way teams control information, uh, I, I was almost a little surprised that they were spending as much time on Andrew Luck as they were. But it was definitely the right move. Yeah. Because that's what mattered. That's, that's the professional move. And they would literally show the play, and then they would go back to the ISO shot of Andrew Luck on the sideline. Yes. yes. And that's what all we wanted to see. So anyway, credit to them for doing that. Um, a quick note on the fans booing. Okay. Obviously, it was dumb. Obviously, I'm not going to defend it. But are we really surprised by this? We're talking about fans who are there in the fourth corner of a bad preseason game <laughs> on a Saturday night. What are you saying about them? I'm saying that the think about the fans who are still there in the fourth quarter of a preseason game on a Saturday you, night. You think they've already thrust themselves into a miserable existence in a meaningless game? No, I'm thinking that they're, <laughs> they probably are not the fans that we should be judging an entire fan base off of. Still fans. They could be the most diehard fans, apparently. I, I If you put that... Take the franchise quarterback retiring in the middle of the fourth quarter of a preseason game with the, any fan base in America. That's the reaction that's going to happen. The only thing, I'm not defending it. I'm just, right, just not right, surprised right, 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 by right, right. it at all. You no, know, I'm not surprised. By, on Twitter, I've come to expect the worst of some certain people, some fans. So wait till week one. First play that goes wrong. You'll see it already in your feet. Just, just what it is. Mm-hmm. So you have this visceral kind of reaction. And I don't know if people were processing it quite well. You know, maybe there's some inebriation. Sometimes you get this mob mentality. But, no, I was not surprised by it at all. I think it's still an awful look. I think it would have been nice if you heard a couple shouts of support for Andrew Luck. But that's the nasty side of sports sometimes. It really is. I don't know. People. I think people were struggling to process what was going on because it seemed so spontaneous. And there he is on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, that's never happened before. Vontae Davis retired at halftime. And not coming back out. But that, that, no one knew that was happening. It, it, this was happening. This was, he's standing in front of you. And again, I cannot stress this enough. It's Saturday night in Indianapolis. And it's the fourth quarter of a preseason game. One of these fans, I mean, they're not exactly sober. No. All right? Um. Some of the reaction from people like Dan Dockich and Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb's tweet. I don't even know what the hell he was trying to say. He's yeah. blaming it on millennials. Okay. It's Kevin's fault. He called himself a millennial. Yeah. Kevin Fishbane's fault. Yeah. This is this is Kevin's fault that Andrew Luck retired. Um, in Dan Dockich's case, I think this is more of an example of Twitter not always being the best medium for getting your thoughts out. Because I heard Dan Dockage yesterday on the Dan Patrick show, and he actually was not criticizing Andrew Luck for retiring. That's how his tweet came off of, which is basically like, I don't want to hear about how a player who's making all this money is tired. That's what his tweet essentially was. I got family members who are steel workers. You don't Police hear- officers, yes. Uh, the, the old, yeah. Yeah. And I'm I, my reaction to that tweet was, all right, well... Yeah, but if your uncle, who's a steel worker, had hundreds of millions of dollars and could retire at 29, he probably would if he was tired. All right, it's just not the same exact situation. However, when I heard Dockage on Dan Patrick, 
He was not criticizing Andrew Luck for retiring. He just didn't really, as a fan, want to hear about how you're tired. That's a different thing. And that's how his tweet came out. I yeah, can sort yeah. of understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but yeah. it's like, all right, if that's your beef, fine. But your tweet came out much stronger. But what does he want to hear? What, what, would, well, what would be a suitable explanation for someone who doesn't want to hear that somebody is beat up, tired, and mentally exhausted? I don't know, exhausted? but to be honest, he, he had more of an issue with how the Colts have handled this whole thing over the years and how they've not been honest. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Well, well NFL teams, well, to be fair, to, to fairness, NFL teams purposely are liars about injuries mm-hmm. or they're, they just, you know, we, we dealt with John Fox oh who purposely lied and was evasive. Matt Nagy's a bit different, so it varies from city to city. But look at Bill Belichick. He ain't saying a damn thing about injuries. That's just, I'm not shocked by that. Well, that was actually one of his points. He's like, the Colts need to shut up and just handle this like Belichick would. Just don't say anything. Because you got got Chris Ballard, who's a very level-headed, good general manager, who's handling this like a professional. Um... And then you got Jim Irsay coming out and doing like his own press conferences and interviews here yeah, and there yeah. where he's saying stuff that's conflicting with everyone else. Like, you've got to have a unified message. Well, and, Irsay's always been kind of a wild card, but yes. I think this is exactly why the Bears and Ryan Pace want Matt Nagy to be the voice of the team during the season. Well, you don't conflict messages. It's a double-edged sword because we, as media members, always want more. Fans always sure. want more. You cannot deny yourself more access. But you've got to make sure your messages are consistent. Yeah, and not all over the board, and especially in a situation I, like that, maybe the spontaneity of the whole Colts situation really took off. Uh, I it's like a PR nightmare in a sense. Uh, I do feel bad that Andrew Luck. They've kind of created the storm themselves. Yes, though. yes, but Andrew Luck lost his message, uh, and, I, and I don't fault Adam Schefter for breaking it no. either. I don't want to say he didn't lose his message; he lost his moment, I should say. But again, it's not Schefter's fault for doing his job either. I'm a little, I mean, I'm selfishly happy he broke the news because otherwise this press conference would have happened right in the middle of my fantasy draft on Sunday. Literally what happened. Did you see this, uh, the OJ Simpson video? Yeah, he, yeah. Because he drafted Andrew Luck, I think. Just go away, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm on board with that one. No question. Hey, are the Colts still good? Yes, but also no. Does that make sense? It's cap out. I get it. But you just lost your quarterback who threw 39 touchdown passes last year. I mean, I'm not saying they're as good as they were, obviously, with Andrew Luck, who was really, really good last season. But I'm not ready to jump off this train. Now, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I think that was still... But Jacoby Brissett has a lot to prove, yes. But I, I don't mind Jacoby Brissett. I think he's in the tier of quarterbacks who deserve to be starters in the NFL. I think he's really? a, I think he's an NFL starter. I'm not saying he's a great NFL starter. You go back and look what he did two years ago. He was a top 20 quarterback. Okay. I think that was... An, let me rephrase that. I think he was a top 20 fantasy quarterback. Okay. I think he came in at 20 in, from a fantasy football perspective. He produced. And, and, and so my point there... Is the offense should still be able to score? And they have a pretty decent defense. Good offensive line. They have a, they have a much better offensive line than he played in two years yes, ago. Yes, yes. Okay. Incredibly better offensive Here, Here's line. what I'll say. They're still a solid opponent. But I need to see 
Jacoby Brissett producing those pressure moments late when you need your quarterback to to do some marvelous things. I just think that in it's that a good roster in that AFC South, they're still right there with all those. It's a it's a jumbled up division where really, honestly, any four of those teams could win it. And I still think the Colts have a chance to win it. I, I don't think that the retirement of Andrew Luck, and in some ways, I wonder if, I think what people are losing sight of is, it's obvious that Andrew Luck was not going to be Andrew Luck this year. Whether, now that we know this retirement thing happened. Because if he had stuck with it, Either he would not have been 100% and he would have been sitting out games again and everyone's looking over their shoulder like they were two years ago. When's Andrew Luck coming back? Now you've removed that. Or he would have been playing and he just would not have been 100% all in. Which you don't want either. Well, that's why he retired, yes. So I know it's probably hard for people to accept, but I think what's about to play out is a better scenario than if Andrew Luck had not retired. Because he would not have been regular good Andrew Luck. He yeah. just would I know not what you're, I, know, I know what you're saying because you're using the, the context of what Andrew Luck was dealing with. And, uh, you're not buying it? No, I am. Okay. I am. I am. I am. I am. But I still think Andrew Luck, even the 80%, I, I feel like his 80%, even though 20% maybe, maybe him checked out, is still a better, more proven commodity quarterback winner teammate even, than Jacoby Brissett. Oh, yeah. No. I, I'm just in a wait yeah. and see. It's, it's a good roster. That division is not too bad. Well, I think they have a major problem backing up Jacoby Brissett if he gets hurt. Yes, yes. But every everybody's concerned about the backup. Yeah. And the backup to the backup is a different problem. But That's a bigger problem. All right. Um, this field goal by uh, Eddie Pinheiro the other day. You think he's for sure the kicker? What do you want for Portillo's? Oh, you're in. So he's the kicker. What do you want? What are you going with? <sighs> What's your go-to order? Honestly, this is going to be controversial, but it's not the beef. Why well, no? I usually go to Portillo's just when I want a, Chicago, a good Chicago-style hot dog. Really? I like the cheeseburger at Portillo's, actually. It's not bad. It's very good. Most of the food there is pretty good. Yeah. It's Portillo's. I'm not making that decision right now. Okay. <laughs> Big one. I mean, I'm gonna have to take advantage of this. First of all, we didn't you're gonna milk this thing, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about your conversation with Elliot Fry, though. Yeah, so we all read that Sports Illustrated story, right? Yeah, about the Bears kicking. Uh, what do you call it? I mean, competition, but it's more about the philosophy of how they chose to do it. Yeah. So quickly, what did you think of it? Well, my first reaction reading the story was, of course, all these guys who are without a job right now are not going to be pissed, happy. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I was, that, but that's fine. I'm not, I'm not criticizing getting those good quotes. Was good insight. The it was great insight. Great the, reporting. The reporting on the it was uh, a captivating story. Yes, the, well the, the reporting on how the Bears scored it, and they had the actual photos of uh, was Kalen Kaler, who wrote the story for Sports Illustrated. She acquired the actual score sheets that were posted in the locker room, or at least a picture of them. Um, that was all really well done. I was a little surprised, though, that the story... It's one thing for the to get quotes from kickers criticizing how it was done. I was surprised that like that was what the story was essentially saying. Yes. 
Like the bear. This is an awful process because Justin Yoon thinks so. Just think about that. Yeah, I, I don't look at it that way. I, I mean, when I was reading it, yeah, I was brought back to that rookie mini camp. Have you and I covered? We were both there, and I remember going to you I'm like that dude just kicked it into the marsh. Did you just see that guy hook that one at the yeah. destruction pit? Oh, that guy just did it too. Casey Bednarski, who you loved, hit a his his ball. Rotated horizontally. It's not good. It looked like a helicopter. Yes, it did. He wasn't the only one. And I get, oh, how could the Bears bring these guys in? Look, they invited 45 guys to the rookie minicamp as tryout players. Yeah. Half of these guys you've never heard of, but they're just trying to find something. Make it a showcase. It wasn't like Trestman where there's only 15 guys there. This was different. This was different. It's been like that on a Ryan Pace. So I, I had that context in mind, too. But So I tracked down Elliot Fry, and this is the guy who's been in it f- the longest. Four months. Not three days. Four months. He had a lot of... He had such a different take on it. And I think a lot of it has to do with him actually going through rookie minicamp a few years ago with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's in this story. It's him actually kicking in the AF. It's him actually spending some time in the real world as a financial advisor. It's him actually, like appreciating the the moment and what the Bears are trying to create for the kickers after kind of accepting and understanding what they went through with Cody Parkey. Just unique. Check it out. Check it out. I know you have, but yeah, no, you haven't read it yet. Check yeah, it out. It's on The Athletic. It's a good story. And um, yeah, I think, that to me, just a quick takeaway, I, I, I think Elliot Fry, I came across as he was also among those that was maybe questioning some of these tactics early and like specifically how obsessed the bears were with the Cody Parkey miss and the double doink and the gust of silence and everything. But I think coming out of it, he appreciated the pressure that was put on him yeah, yeah. and him having to battle through that. Yes. Because he said in your story, like, I feel like I can kick in any situation. Now. Yeah, yes. It was, that's exactly what the Bears are trying to create. He had a great quote in there where he's, he's like, it's like working out. You don't like doing it while you're doing it, but it, by the end of it, you know you're, it's making yourself better. Yeah. Nobody likes to work out. So if Eddie Pinero comes out of this as a good NFL kicker who feels like he benefited from going through all that and being kind of torn down Elliot by Fry the coaches, says in the story, yeah. Me and Eddie have talked about this. We feel like we can make kicks that we haven't been able, been able to kick before. We can handle things. Now, you still have to do it, but if it works, I don't think there's any question yeah. <laughs> that what the Bears did here was a positive thing. Look, it's yeah. fair to criticize. It's fair to question their tactics. But they already went through a whole gauntlet of veteran kickers after cutting Robbie Gold. Yeah. They're going to go the young route. This is the route they've chosen. All right, quick, because I teased this in the last episode. Fantasy football and the Bears. I find this fascinating. I went through my fantasy football draft, and I know I did one last night. No one cares about my draft. I get that. But I still want to use some examples here to address how the Bears are viewed. Mitch Trubisky went, I think... I don't have this in front of me. I want to say it was in the eighth round of our draft. Wow, that's early. To a Packer fan. Wow. You can just assume everybody in this league is a Packer fan because they all are. Um, 
I wasn't really willing to draft him until, like, I want to say the 10th round. So, like, when he got taken off the board, I wasn't upset about it. I was like, all right. And I ended up getting Dak Prescott after him, who's been, like, a top 10 fantasy quarterback in yeah. three straight years. Um, so I find that interesting. Because I actually had Trubisky on my team last year. He was pretty good from a fantasy perspective. The first bear to get drafted in our league, which was kind of early for him, too, was David Montgomery. I think it was like the fourth or fifth round. But that speaks to, I think there's some recency bias, just in terms of what they saw in the preseason. And running backs are really slim. I picked them in the third round. Okay, so early. Yep. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, in our draft, got picked ahead of guys like Stafford. Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I think the running helps. People like those extra yards. Yeah. They can be tacked on as points. But there's some there, there's some general optimism out there. Actually, could do. let me correct myself. He went with the last pick in the seventh round. Trubisky? Trubisky did. And I got Prescott late in the ninth round. Like almost two rounds later. But quarterbacks are deep. Yeah. Quarterbacks are deep. Um, I like, I really like David Montgomery. And by the way, Tariq Cohen was one of my keepers. So I really felt like I had to get Montgomery too. Um, cause we keep two keepers in our league. Yeah. Um, so I felt good getting there late third round is where I got him. And, and then like the wide receivers, you know, this is just my league. So I don't know how it went for others last year, but Allen Robinson got dropped twice in the middle of our, our season last year. Yeah. And I ended up picking him up late, and he was pretty good late in the year, as everyone knows. Um, so this year he went, I don't know if I can find him here, but he went fifth round, like pretty high. Yeah, yeah. And receivers are always deep now. And everyone's got Anthony Miller kind of labeled as a breakout candidate. No, see, to me, let's, let's use some fantasy terms. Yeah. My breakout candidate is Allen Robinson. Okay. My bust is Anthony Miller. Really? Yes. Why? I don't think there's... I don't know what the expectation for him... I don't, do you see a 1,000 yards from him? Who's going to have a 1,000 yards? Well, Anthony, I, I just Anthony, think this, this speaks to a bigger Bears conversation. There's so many weapons here, and that's how Nagy wants it. Exactly. The ball's going to exactly. be s- spread out. But Allen Robinson, we saw it throughout camp. Or something there with Trubisky. He's the one guy that can acquire volume every single week. Yes. He's your guy who could have 1,100 or 1,200 yards this year. Anthony Miller may come in around 600. May have six or seven touchdowns. But there's a vulture on the Bears, too. And that's your boy Shaheen? It's Adam Shaheen. See, that's interesting because I, I actually agree with you. So I, that would really hurt Trey Burton's value in fantasy football. Yes. Who I still think is going to be a go-to guy that's a huge focal point. He's a starting offense. tight end for a fantasy team if you get a 10 or 12 team, 14 team league. Yeah, but if Shaheen's vulturing the touchdowns away, yeah. that puts him more as like a tight end too. Yes. So if you're right about that, that hurts Trey Burton's value. Yes. Back to Miller real quick. He's also been hurt, by the way, before you get to your Miller thought. Anthony Miller has yes, yes. been hurt. Yes. Yeah. I still think he's a breakout candidate as a football player because he showed tons of talent last year. And the it wasn't really a revelation. It was just hearing them talk about it. 
Like he couldn't use his hands last yeah, year yeah. to get off the oh, line. He, he like could, I didn't even think about that really with that shoulder see, injury. Those are two different things. Like he could break out for the Bears and be a more significant contributor than he was last year. But in a fantasy perspective, I think you need to temper your excitement level in terms of what his numbers will actually be. It's going to be hard to count. He's going to have some big games. It's going to be hard to count on him week in and week out. Yeah, that's start. fair. Yes, that's fair. Because like Taylor Gabriel's still going to catch 60 passes. This yes. Year. Trey Burton. Yeah. Tariq Cohen. David Montgomery. Yes. These are all guys going to catch the football. Cordell Patterson. And the Bears are going to throw it 80 times a game. This kind of all leads you, though, to if this is all accurate, Mitch is going to be a pretty fancy quarterback yes, this year. Yes, yes. So shout out to the Packer fan. My buddy Kurt, who got him in the seventh round. It's going to be a fun season for him, yeah. dealing with the anxiety of his team while cheering on the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, any quick final 53-man roster thing you want to get to? I do think Alec Bars makes the team. I agree. I think he... But I think they got to keep... I think they have to keep somebody else. Yeah, Rashad Coward, even though he's hurt. So right now... Well, that's now, what I mean. On top of those two... Cornelius Lucas then is your guy who has not looked good. I agree. So that's why or, Alex Bars is really moving himself up in terms of numbers. I would say Bars makes it. Rashad Coward makes it, but might not be available early. Um, I don't know how serious that elbow is. Is that an IR to return type situation? Do they just bang him for eight weeks for the roster spot? Um, in which case, you got to remember that he has to make the team originally, right? And yes, then it has yeah, to, yeah. yeah, there's like a couple days delay, and they don't really have that time this year because they start practicing again for the Packers Sunday. Um, Cornelius Lucas, that's a spot where I wonder if they'll go out and grab somebody. Like I was thinking about this yesterday, can Brian Witzman play tackle? He was he was a guard last year for the Bears. Why didn't they just resign him? They chose chose well because they thought they had these guys. They didn't have these injuries. Yeah, I know. So if he gets cut by the they Browns, also brought back Ted Larson. If he gets cut by the Browns, is that somebody you pick up because you're familiar with and he knows the offense? Just need another guy. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I don't know what his situation is yeah. in Cleveland. Maybe he makes that in, team in terms of sure. waiver wire scarring outside linebackers, the top of my positions. Add a guy there. Yeah. I don't know who. I don't know who's going to be released. They could give you some pass rush help, but it's it's a very top heavy position. I think they for keep me. four guys. Yes, Mac, Floyd, Lynch, Irving. Yes, your better depth is at inside linebacker. Um, I would keep five tight ends. I think Ian Bunting or Dax Raymond could be a contributor in some capacity. I'm not sure which one. One of them makes the team. One of them goes to the practice. That's correct. That's yes. why I think happened. I think Sal makes it. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. What about running back? Um, sorry, everybody. Ryan Nall is. I, I agree. I think right the squad maybe. I think White makes it though. Yes, yes. He's just faster. I mean, I get Ryan Nall's been doing this. Yes. I credit him. He's a big back, dude. You look at Kareth White's speed. Yeah, he's f- just fast. See, like more often than not, you can wave a guy and get him back to your roster. But well, that's why I wonder, like, how valuable is White right now to your team? But here's the thing: others may need. A return man, like, right now. That's true. Like, they don't need uh, a starting running back, but maybe they could get a returner in, or, or some depth at returner. You know, make, put him on his, you have to put him on your 53. Doesn't have to be active week one. Get him up to speed by week two, and here you go. Yeah. You know, Alex Bars, he's not going to be your starter, but if you feel a little bit concerned about your depth and you want a youth movement there, 
Alex Bars is your perfect example. A guy who was draftable until he tore up his knee. How many safeties? Five. If you count Sherrick. You think Sherrick makes it and yes. DHC? Yes. Yes. If one of them doesn't, who goes? Oof. That's a tough question. Yeah. I'm not sure. Here, here's my thing. Personally, I would keep Sherrick. Yes. Here's my thing. You could... like Guys like Michael Joseph, Clifton Duck even, you could get away with waving them. Because a lot of teams are feel... I, I just feel like there's a lot of defensive backs sometimes. That makes sense? Although are, I do, are cornerbacks. I do think backup corner is not getting enough attention right now as a weakness. True. Kevin Tolliver has not done much. No. If Duke Shelley can play on the outside, we haven't really seen that. It's fair. I mean, Duke's making the team, but that I, I would be worried right now if either tackle went down or either corner went down yeah. on the outside. That, to me, is... Uh, that would have me worried. So I, I, I don't think this is a perfect roster. I think starting-wise it is, and that's always what you want. But there's there are some depth issues here. So there's still some things to work out here this weekend. Um, real quick, wanted to share this. I found today on the uh, old social media thing. It's a, it's a uh, Craigslist ad from a Packer fan. Just want to remind everybody as we set this thing up for Packer Week here, what Packer fans will do to become season ticket holders. So I'm going to read this verbatim. Here we go. Okay. So I'm in the 70,000s after 10 years on the wait list, and I'm beginning to realize that modern medicine isn't going to get me to 216 years of age. (laughs) Thanks, Obamacare. (laughs) Really? Therefore, I need a different way to acquire season tickets, and here's how you can help. One, if you're currently on the wait list and expect to be called up soon, under 1,000 on the list, I'd pay you for your spot. In order to accomplish this, I will legally change my name to yours right before you get your tickets. The Packers will have no idea. I'm not joking. I've thought about this for a long time. Option two, If you currently have tickets and are a bit older, I pay you to leave me in your will. (laughs) We need to craft a story to make it work, though, since the Packers only allow them to be transferred to certain relatives. I'd cover adult adoption fees if you'd want to go that route. Again, not joking. As your son, I'll also send you Father's Day and or Mother's Day gifts. (laughs) Option three. If you are single, man or woman, I will marry you and pay all expenses plus additional cash for your inconvenience. Then we get divorced and you can transfer the tickets to me as part of the divorce decree. Decree. We can time it correctly so we maximize our joint tax refund too and take advantage of the marriage benefits. I'm serious about this. I'll marry and divorce you, change my name to your name, or become your son. Let's make this happen. Go, Pack, go. I mean, this is amazing. Yes, yes, yes. It's a real Craigslist ad posted five days ago. Any replies? Uh, I don't like Craigslist like that. I mean, there's yeah. not like comments. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time in Craigslist. You don't? No. That's probably a good thing. All right. You ready for this? Yes. Are you really ready? No, I'm not. Are you really ready? No. 
extra loud there for you. Blasting through your speakers. Three college games to get to. Next week, we'll start the NFL games. We're not picking week four NFL preseason games, unless you want to. Northwestern (laughs) at number 25, Stanford. Stanford, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Palo Alto. I'll be taking the flight out there on Friday. It's going to be a nice weekend out there. Yes, it is. Who's the starting quarterback for Northwestern? Uh, Not allowed to tell you. I know. Also, I don't know. Yes. It's got to be the transfer, right? Uh, it's going to be interesting. HJ? It's, it's either Hunter Johnson, the five-star transfer from Clemson, or it's TJ Green, who you saw a little bit of last Trent year. Trent Green, so, um, yeah. Look, uh, J- Johnson should be, be the better player, yes. obviously. Uh, the question is, is he ready? I mean, Green's been in this program for a long time. He's a senior, knows the offense. Johnson was running scout team last year, so he's still, I think, picking things up here. And, and um, I think we've seen... I know Fitz does things a bit differently. Let me give you some actual analysis here. Okay, I like this. I like. But this. we've seen freshman quarterbacks, transfer quarterbacks, have instant success. I see no reason why this cannot happen at Northwestern. Okay, that's it. Well, look, some analysis. This guy did play in a game against Wake Forest and looked pretty good. Yes, back in the day. Now it's Wake Forest, and Stanford's a good team. Again, I am not watching what Northwestern is doing. I know they have a very good defense, like you said. I think you would you would think that the big time transfer from Clemson should be able to handle a move like this. So yada yada yada. Give me the cats. Give you the cats. Yada yada yada. That's my analysis of Northwestern football. Go cats. All right, I'm gonna go with Northwestern too. I think the spread's way too big. This is the type of game Fitz gets these guys up for. Um I have no, I think Northwestern wins outright. It went outright. Yes. I think they certainly have a chance to. I do think they cover the six and a half, though. By the way, three o'clock Saturday on Fox is when you can see that game. You should also, though, be listening to it on WGN Radio. Very excited to get back with my team with Dave Ennett and Ted Albrecht, two of the best people in the world. We have a ton of fun. This is my fifth season doing Northwestern games on the radio. I cannot wait. And what a great spot to start, Stanford. Yeah. It's a cool road a trip for us, yeah. especially early yes. September. Yes. Maybe maybe going to, to uh, San Francisco for the evening. There you go. We'll, we'll figure something out. All right. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jam. You're mean. You know it had to come out eventually. I know. I know. People I know. were shocked. I, I'm still impressed that you, at training camp, tried to get him to reference Peanut punch. Without saying peanut punch, but in complete hopes that he would say penis punch. It, it was a little misguided, though, because it's not plural. I know. So he wouldn't have said it. I know. But you had hope. It's worth a shot. Yeah. Hey, you yes. got to shoot, 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 shoot your shot, shot. And you went for it. You, you went for you it. You got to do it. All right. Number 11, Oregon versus number 16, Auburn. By the way, this is such a weak, weak one slate. What are we doing here, people? I feel like you say that a lot about no, a lot of weeks no, week, in the college season. <laughs> week one is always good. It's week two and three where everyone goes back to playing crap games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, week you one's on usually one. loaded, and I know they just did Florida-Miami the other day in week zero, and it was a weird thing, whatever. Yeah, week zero. But come on, give us more than this. Honestly, Northwestern Stanford's the second best game of the weekend. Oregon, Ducks. 
Justin Herbert. This game is being played <laughs> in Arlington, <laughs> Texas. Yeah. Uh, six thirty Saturday on ABC. I, I don't know. I don't like the direction of Oregon lately. I think Justin Herbert's really good. Yeah. I can't wait to you know analyze him coming into the NFL draft this year. I think Auburn's going to be stacked more across the board with talent, and I am going to take Auburn to also cover the three and a half too. Oregon. Okay. We don't have turds on this team. Monday night. Number nine, Notre Dame at Louisville. Is Louisville. This, is this like your example of a bad game, 20 and a half? 20 and a half. <laughs> this is, but this is your Monday night. Like This is always a featured game that ESPN yes, does. Yes. It's their Monday nighter before the NFL season starts. This is the slot. This is their game. And Notre Dame's a 20 and a half point favorite. Did I hear a conversation in the media room? Last week, or of whether or not this is a make or break year for Brian Kelly. I feel like Chris Emma and JJ Stankiewicz and yourself were discussing this. Uh, I was not involved in this conversation. You were tuning it out purposely? Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge Brian Kelly fan, so yes, if it is. When I say Chip Kelly, yes, Brian Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Chip Kelly's coaching UCLA this year. Yes, he is. Give me Louisville to cover 20 and a half. That's fair. Irish will win, though. Probably. Louisville could cover. Probably. I mean, I'm I'm expecting a little bit of... But Louisville was awful last year. Who they end up hiring as their coach? You think I know? Well, they went after Brom. Who did they end up with? Louisville head coach. I'm, like, totally forgetting this. Scott Satterfield. No idea who that is. That can't be the real head coach. That's not a real guy. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the lacrosse team? Wow. You know what? I'm changing my pick. I'm going Notre Dame. We're still in preseason mode here. (laughs) Well, all right, fine. Give me the Irish. I'll be doing it. I love preseason football. I got to follow your lead. We're going against. You're taking the Irish. I'll take the Irish. Wait, so we're all in agreement here? Yes. No, no. We we went again. Oregon. Yes. Auburn. All right. Got to got to have at least one thing. Did Joe ever send me his picks? No, he did not. He was supposed to send me his picks. He's we're, all, busy. we're all in preseason mode, man. All right. I was gonna include Joe's picks. This happens to me every year. Every every year we we've, we've done this podcast. Oh, it's, you got to make some college picks. Like I know it's coming. Yeah. But I'm still in preseason football mode. Right. I mean, I... And we're doing this earlier in the week. Usually we do this on Thursday. And it's Tuesday as we're doing this. I'm not even... Oh, wait. Joe did send me his picks. He sent me via text. I, I was I was expecting via email. And there's actual analysis here. All right. Here we go. Joe says he will take the points with the Cats. If Hunter Johnson isn't the quarterback, I rescind... This pick. I don't think you can do that, but... Okay. Uh, Oregon-Auburn. Joe says, I like a motivated Justin Herbert to bounce back after an up-and-down season. Tough to start against Auburn's defensive line, which is a strong unit. Auburn covers three and a half, so I'm in agreement with him on that one. Johns, you are against Joe and me on that pick. And then he says, not sure about Notre Dame in the top 10. They've got plenty of chances to prove me wrong with games against Georgia, Michigan, 
Got to get your Michigan reference in there, Joe. And Stanford, all those games on the road. They rout Louisville in the opener, though. Irish by a lot. So Joe did provide his picks. All right. Uh, a lot of fun. We got to get out of here. This was a jam-packed episode for you guys. Got a lot more coming up here in the coming weeks. And definitely, as you heard off the top of the uh, the episode, we're only about a little over a week away from our Houndstooth show. Yes. Next yes. Wednesday, September 4th, Houndstooth Saloon, $4 beers, $6 food. I should say $4 drafts. $6 food uh it's gonna be a lot of fun next wednesday september 4th it got some special guests we're lining up to come out there it's gonna be a great way to kick off the season and we'll be picking the game we'll be breaking it down bears packers but we've got a lot more coming up for you too we'll have we will have an episode thursday after the game soldier field i don't really know what we're gonna be talking about fourth preseason game we'll figure out something um and then look they're in a Packer week on Sunday. So we're going to be right there in our normal schedule. Obviously, it's not going to line up the same way it does with Sunday games, but we're going to have you covered all next week. I think we have three episodes leading into the Bears-Packer game week one. So gear up. Yes. For all those who complain about not having enough, you're going to have enough and more. And you can keep talking about preseason form. That ends right now. Starting at this point, we are in regular season form. Yeah, I just got to go watch a practice with two different teams, essentially, practicing. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I did it yesterday. It's always an awkward week. It's Hey, it gives you a pretty good idea who's a lock to make the team, though, I'll tell you that. Yes, it does. All right, we're out here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. That's where the big Trubisky breakdown is. Go find it. Go read it. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to do that because it is lengthy. Johns has got plenty of stuff up on The Athletic, The Athletic app. You need to download it. You need to subscribe. Please do so. Please rate and review this podcast as well. We love all our listeners. We thank you. We'll talk to you later in the week. See ya. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack.